Welcome to the Christian History Podcast, Chapter 2, Episode 33, The History of the City of Zor. Last week, I wrapped up the history of Sodom and Gomorrah. In that episode, you may remember that Lot fled Sodom to the city of Zor, specifically in Genesis chapter 19, verse 22. If you missed it, you really should go back and give it a listen. This week, I'm covering what we know about the history of the city of Zor, so let's get started. The biblical Zor is sometimes referred to as Zorah or Bela. In the Septuagint, it was called Segor. In Genesis chapter 14, verse 8, it was one of the five cities of the plain. Apparently located somewhere between the lower Jordan Valley and close to the Dead Sea. Zorah in Hebrew means small or insignificant, and even Lot referred to it as a small city. It was east of Jordan in the Valley of Siddim, an area near the Dead Sea. But it was spared from the brimstone and fire which destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah in order to provide a refuge for Lot and his daughters. This was after Lot requested that the city be spared the destruction. It was also mentioned by Josephus, Ptolemy, Eusebius, and St. Jerome in the Onomasticon. I've touched on Josephus and Ptolemy in previous episodes. Estebus of Caesarea was a 3rd century AD Greek historian of Christianity. He became the bishop of Caesarea Maritima in 314 AD. Together with Pamplus, he was a scholar of the biblical canon and is regarded as an extremely well-learned Christian of his time. He wrote several tomes on the Gospels, as well as studies on biblical text. St. Jerome was a 5th century AD Italian theologian and historian. He is best known for his translation of most of the Bible into common Latin that would later become known as the Vulgate. He also produced commentaries on the Gospels. The Syriac Chronicles of Michael the Syrian in the 12th century AD and of Bar Hebrus in the 13th century note some less than clear traditions regarding the founding of some of the cities of the plain. According to these accounts, during the lifetime of Nahor, who was Abraham's grandfather, a certain Canaanite named Eremonius had two sons named Sodom and Gomorrah, for whom he named two newly built towns, and named a third city Zorah after their mother. There are also more modern references that attest to the existence of the city Zor. Ezra the Pilgrim tells of a bishop of Zorah that accompanied her in the area sometime in the late 4th century AD. A little sidebar concerning Ezra the Pilgrim. Ezra, sometimes referred to as Ethioria or Etheria, was a woman, widely regarded to be the author of a detailed account of a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. It is believed that she was from what is present-day Italy, maybe even Rome. The text takes the form of a long letter that is addressed to a circle of women at home. It contains many historical details from the late 4th century AD, making the letter about the pilgrimage the earliest of its kind. A later copy has survived in fragmentary form, where it lacks a title, date, or even proper attribution. It is the earliest existing account of a Christian pilgrimage to the Holy Land. The text is a narrative apparently written at the end of Edria's journey, from notes she took while on the journey. In the first part of the text, she describes the journey from her approach to Mount Sinai until her stop in Constantinople. She stayed for three years in Jerusalem and made excursions to Mount Nebo, 
into the tomb of Job in what is modern-day al-Sheikh Said, Syria. She also visited the purported burial site of Haran, the brother of Abraham, and a site where Eleazar met Rebekah. On her way back to Europe, she stopped at the Hagia Thekla, which was St. Thekla's shrine near modern-day Sifok, Turkey. Thekla was a saint of the early Christian church and a reported follower of Paul the Apostle. The earliest record of her life comes from the ancient apocryphal work known as the Acts of Paul and Thecla. Although Church Fathers Tertullian and Jerome rejected her story, she enjoyed great popularity in the Byzantine period. Upon Ezria's return to Constantinople, she planned to make a further trip to St. John's at Ephesus. The second portion of her text is a detailed account of the liturgical services and observances of the church calendar in Jerusalem a time that was most likely under the leadership of Cyril. Cyril of Jerusalem was a distinguished 4th century theologian of the early church. He is venerated as a saint by the Roman Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church, and the Anglican Communion. He will be covered in more detail in a much later episode. The liturgical year was in its developmental stages at the time of her visit. This is invaluable because the development of liturgical worship such as Lent, Palm Sunday, and the like reached a more widespread practice in the 4th century. Ezra's letter, even though it's still fragmentary, provides a first-hand account of the practices and implementation of liturgical seasons as they existed at the time of her visit. For example, this was a time before the collective acceptance of December 25th as the date to celebrate the birth of Jesus. If for nothing else, her documentation is extremely helpful in cataloging the development of the annual liturgical worship. Last, her work has provided scholars with valuable information about the developments in the grammar and vocabulary of the Latin common at the time. Factizor, or at least the other somewhat modern references that attest to its existence. The anonymous pilgrim of Piacenza in the 6th century AD described Zor's monks as well as their palm trees. He was a 6th century Christian pilgrim from Piacenza, a city in northern Italy, who traveled to the Holy Land at the height of Byzantine rule. He made the journey in the 570s AD and composed a descriptive narrative of his journey. This anonymous pilgrim was previously and erroneously identified as Antonius of Piacenza, he is often confused with Saint Antonius of Piacenza, who was venerated as a martyr of 303 AD. He is believed to be the last Western writer to see and then describe the Holy Land before the Muslim conquest, which occurred in the 630s AD. But, his travels only covered the same extensive territory as Egeria. Overall, his work contains only few details not found in other writers. Also, it is believed to include many errors in unlikely stories. The itinerary of the pilgrim is particular in noting the extent of the 6th century trade catering to the pious pilgrims in the Holy Land. Quoting him, We went to Cana, where our Lord was present at the marriage feast, and we reclined on the very couch. Now what is noteworthy to me at least is that there would only be such a tourist trap if there were a fair number of tourists. But instead, we simply have the notes of this anonymous pilgrim. And a note to myself, be sure to document my traveling adventures, and maybe even then, sign my name. 
The pilgrim also describes a chalice of onyx that was venerated in the Church of the Holy Specular and of the Holy Lance in the Basilica of Mount Zion. He never mentioned, though, that this chalice was indeed what he thought was the Holy Grail. The Notitia Dignatitum is a Roman document from either the 4th or 5th century AD that details the administrative organization of the Western and Eastern empires. It places in Zor a military garrison, probably a unit of cavalry archers. Historians know of three bishops from the city. Specifically, Musonius, present at the Second Council of Ephesus in 449, and also at the Council of Chalcedon in 451. Also, Isidore mentioned in 518 and John in 536, both A.D. Stephen of Byzantium, sometimes referred to as Stephanus Byzantininus, as you may be able to guess, was from Constantinople. He was the author of an important geographic dictionary entitled Ethnica, but his work only survives in fragments, too. And not much would be made of this except for an otherwise unknown compiler named Hermolaus. He collected enough of Stephen's work to pull together a tome. This book describes the fort at Zor, probably a Roman fort, considering that Stephen wrote the description in the 5th century AD. Apparently, near the fort was a sanctuary to Lot. Two other writers, Heroculus and George of Cyprus, also mentioned the fort and the sanctuary. As for Stephen, essentially nothing else is known about his life. Well, except that he was a grammarian at Constantinople and lived after the time of Asidius and Heronius and before that of Justatine II. Also, to me, the fact that there were grammarians that far back tells me that the grammar police of the internet are nothing new. Overall, the book proves to be hugely valuable for its geographic, mythological, and religious information about ancient Greece. Nearly every article in it contains a reference to an ancient writer as an authority for the name of the place. Even though only fragments survive, there are many interesting factoids about the topographical, historical, mythological, and geographic nature of the area at the time. Then, there is the Madaba map, produced in the 6th century AD. On the map, Zor is represented in the midst of a grove of palm trees under the names of Balak or Segor. The map is part of a floor mosaic in the early Byzantine church of St. George, located in Madaba, Jordan. It's essentially a map of the Middle East. Part of the map contains the oldest surviving original cartographic depiction of the Holy Land, and especially Jerusalem. The map depicts Jerusalem with the Knee Church, which was dedicated in 542 AD. And, aiding in the dating of the map, structures constructed after 570 are not shown. Therefore, it's easily deduced that the mosaic was created between 542 and 570 AD. The mosaic was made by unknown artists and was probably laid out for the Christian community of Madaba, which was the seat of a bishop of the area at the time. But in 614, Madaba was conquered by the Persian Empire. Unfortunately, in the 8th century AD, the Muslim Umayyad rulers had some portions of the mosaic removed. In 746, Madaba was largely destroyed by an earthquake and then abandoned. The mosaic laid there under rubble and sediment for over a millennium. Then, in 1884, the mosaic was rediscovered 
during the construction of a new Greek Orthodox church on the site of its ancient predecessor. In the decades that followed, large portions of the mosaic map were damaged by fires, activities in the new church, and by the effects of moisture. Then, in 1965, with funding from Volkswagen, the German archaeologist Heinz Coopers and Herbert Donner began restoring the remaining parts of the mosaic. The floor mosaic is located in the arch at the east end of the Church of St. George at Madaba. Unlike modern maps, it is not oriented northwards, but instead faces east, so that the position of the places on the map coincides with the actual compass directions. It is thought that originally, it measured 69 feet by 23 feet, or 21 by 7 meters. Also, it contained over 2 million tiles. Its current dimensions are 52 feet by 16 feet, or 16 by 5 meters. I'll post a picture on the podcast Facebook page. The mosaic depicts an area from Lebanon in the north to the Nile Delta in the south, and from the Mediterranean Sea in the west to the desert east of Mesopotamia. It also shows the Dead Sea with two fishing boats and fish swimming in the river and receding from the Dead Sea. Which makes little sense, being that there are no fish in the Dead Sea. That alone makes me wonder if the artists were completely aware of what they were depicting. Also, the mosaic depicts a variety of bridges linking the banks of the Jordan, a lion hunting a gazelle in the Moab desert, Jericho surrounded by palm trees, Bethlehem, and other biblical sites. The map may partially have served to facilitate pilgrims' orientation in the Holy Land. Not to forget, and perhaps due to the audience of the mosaic, all landscape units are labeled with explanations in Greek. The largest and most detailed element of the topographical depiction is Jerusalem, fittingly at the center of the map. The mosaic clearly shows a number of significant structures in the old city of Jerusalem. Landmarks such as the Damascus Gate, the Lion's Gate, the Golden Gate, the Zion Gate, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, the New Church of the Theotokos, the Tower of David, and the Cardo Maximus. The significance of these will be covered in later episodes. The recognizable depiction of the urban topography makes the mosaic a key source on Byzantine Jerusalem. Also unique to it are the detailed description of the cities such as Nepolis, Azaklon, Gaza, Pelusium, and Karakmoba. These cities were depicted in such detail that even streets were visible. Currently, the mosaic map of Madaba is the oldest known existing geographic floor mosaic in art history. Its existence allows researchers to locate and verify many biblical sites. In 1967, excavations in the Jewish quarter of Jerusalem revealed the Need Church and the Cardo Maximus in the very locations suggested by the Madaba mosaic. But the contributions of the map didn't end there. In February 2010, excavations further substantiated its accuracy with the discovery of a road depicted in the map that runs through the center of Jerusalem. According to the map, the main entrance to the city was through a large gate opening into a wide central street. While the modern city was constructing a road in its associated infrastructure near the Jaffa Gate, large paving stones were discovered at a depth of 13 feet or 4 meters below current ground level, a discovery that proved the road depicted on the map actually existed. 
Currently, a copy of the map produced by students at the Banaba Mosaic School is in the foyer of the Akademisches Kunstmuseum in Bonn, Germany. Also, the lobby of the YMCA in Jerusalem has a replica of the map incorporated in its floor. And all of that background was both relevant and necessary because it sets the stage for the history of Zor. And it's important to know how we know what we know. Plus, to me at least, it's really interesting. The Crusaders named the city Palmer, or in some references, Palmyr. Further information regarding Zor in different historical epochs were obtained through Arabian geographers, suggesting that Zor served as an important station on the trade route from the coastal city of Aqaba to Jericho. Also, much information is known of Zor through Eusebius' statement that the Dead Sea was situated between Zor and Jericho. Arabian geographers also noted the city for the delightfulness of its date fruit. In Zor, and due to its tropical climate, and to the reliable water flowing from the mountains of Moab, the city flourished as an oasis where the balsam, indigo, and date trees easily grew. Zor is noted as being part of the late Roman province of Palestinia Tiritia. It became the site of a bishop's seat and was included in a Catholic church list of titular sees. Prior to the major archaeological excavations in the late 20th century, researchers proposed that several sites in the area of Urbid, Jordan as the location of Zor. Several excavations were conducted in this area between 1986 and 1996. Ruins of a basilica church that were discovered in the site of the monastery at the Abata Spring were later identified as the Sanctuary of St. Lot. An adjacent cave is believed by some to be the location where Lot and his daughters took refuge during the destruction of Sodom. About 300 engraved funerary stills were found in 1995. Most of these gravestones were inscribed in Greek and therefore thought to be Christian burials. Others were inscribed in Aramaic, suggesting that they belonged to Jewish burials. Then, there are two curious monuments that reveal the origins of the deceased as being Jews that held from what is now Yemen, with inscriptions that date back to 470 and 477 AD. What makes these tombstones interesting is that the text is written in the combined Hebrew, Aramaic, and Sabian, a South Arabian language. One noted that the deceased was brought from Zafar, the capital of the kingdom of Haimar, on the very southern tip of the Arabian Peninsula. It was noted that he intended to be buried in Zor. All of these gravestones have been traced back to the 4th and 5th centuries AD, when Zor was apparently an important Jewish center. And that is the not-so-short history of Zor, the city saved by Lot's pleading with God. And now that I'm done with this episode... I feel like it's been one large or perhaps several smaller rabbit holes, but it was all still about the history that impacts Christianity, so it was not irrelevant. Next week, I plan on covering the geography of the Sea of Galilee. You don't want to miss it. As always, you can find information about the podcast on the internet at christianhistorypodcast.com. Comments and questions can be sent to comments at christianhistorypodcast.com. You can also find the Facebook page by searching the phrase Christian History Podcast as three separate words. Once there, be sure to like the page. And if you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to subscribe so you get the episodes as soon as they are released. Also, go to iTunes and give the podcast a positive review. 
Thanks for listening and have a great week.